Welcome all you good people. Tour de France time. It's Friday. We've gone through, what, 13 stages. We are going to talk about a few things today. We're going to probably wrap up the stage, I think, 8 through 13. We're going to talk about Cavendish. We're going to talk about Pogachar. We are also going to talk maybe a little bit about the upcoming uh, races here in Northern California. Biryani is going to happen on the hot Sunday and Land Park tomorrow. Everyone, welcome to the Between Two Wheels podcast. I think this is episode three, 243. We are online, ready to go, going live. So if you have comments, can't hear us, let us know that. Or if you can, you can also do that as well. Um, the headline for the show is, can we believe, is Cav's performance believable? Okay. And with this, um, we are going to take a look at, uh, basically, I just my, my, saw my law partner peek in the back door there. I'll have to wait until we're done. Um, the, are we going to believe Cavendish's performance? He's 36 years old. He's a sprinter. He's losing some of his speed. And at this point, can we believe what he is basically doing? Um, look, and the only reason I say this is because Pogacar, you know, he's 20, 21, uh, and everyone's like going off the rockers about, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. This kid, you know, destroying everyone. Is it believable? Well, you could say the same thing on the other end of the spectrum with Cavendish. So with that in mind, I think, yeah. Look, I think uh, for both of them, the fields are somewhat diminished uh, this year. You don't have, uh, you know, Bernal. You don't have uh, Poga- uh, uh, Roglic. Um, Grunewagen's not there for the sprinting. Bennett's not there. Uh, there's really no other teams taking it on with Cavendish. So probably at 36. I know you lose a little speed. But <clears throat> I'm wearing the Eddie Merck shirt today. Just so happened to, to bring that out. And um, Cavendish gets his 34th win today tying the record for uh, Eddie Marks and it was it was easily done there was there's no competition Philipson is the only one that's even coming close and actually he couldn't even come around Cavendish's uh uh lead out guy today so with that in mind yeah it's what it is it's it's Cavendish and uh hope everyone's uh been enjoying that okay so when we left off we had stage seven. We're going to go through a few of these real quick and then talk about this uh, today. Um, stage eight was quite the barn burner for um, the first one hitting the mountains. Yeah, Dylan Toyne's taken off there. Ian Izagiri, Michael Woods. Uh, this is where Pogacar basically decides about 20 or 30K out to just hit the hard, hit it hard and creep up to everybody. We're going to back up, though, because we're going to show comments as soon as we get them. Okay. Um, how is Cav's performance not believable? Sprinter, not a climber, and he's got the best lead-out team on the planet right now. Okay, John. Well, John Novogoff. Um, I believe when you start um, moving on in age, um, you're able to hold on to a few things. Maybe you're, you're, you're able to climb a little better. Sprinting does not seem to be one of those things that you necessarily hold on to like you did earlier, at least me personally. Maybe, John, you can chime in on this as well. Um, and by the way, I was if you caught the first part, John, we'll go over that, which is people are not believing Pogacar, 21-year-old, being able to do amazing things, but they're taking it at face value that Cav is just fine and dandy to do things at 36 that a sprinter shouldn't really maybe be able to do. If you look at his results over the last four years, they've been nothing. So, yes, he does have the best lead-out team. And then I qualify that. He does have the best lead-out team. Um, the, the performance of the other sprinters there is somewhat diminished. So I give him credit on that, but I'm just saying he's 36. I know we, we had an issue. It was up in arms when, um, Horner was taking the win, the grand tour of the Vuelta, uh, at 40, 41. So I'm just, my belief is you start to lose it a little bit when you are, um, getting up into your, uh, late thirties, as far as the sprint goes, as far as comparing it to the younger guys, uh, maybe not for you. Um, Mike Woods, these guys were up there. Uh, Dylan Tunes takes off. 
the big deal on this stage was Pogacar putting a bunch of time. Just his team was kind of not looking so good that day, and he decides to just put the the wood into everybody. Takes two, three, four minutes, I think, out of everyone. Catches up to Woods over the top of the climb. He was big ringing the Columbia. That was really impressive. Uh, and uh, so the GC after stage eight, Pogacar slides into it. Uh, Wildvener still kind of manages to hold on a little bit of hope. Uh, but then you're starting to see everything take shape here. Down to Vinegard, Kierpaz, Kilderman, etc. on down the loop. She's going to break through these stages real quick. Um, ben O'Connor, he ends up winning stage nine. I don't know if you saw that. He got off on an early break. So, well, well done. He had already been down eight minutes. At one point, he was the virtual leader on the road. I'm watching this. They're going up the final climb, and um, the UAE team is somewhat depleted again. And so Ineos decides they're going to sit on the front now. I get it if you're trying to be the Ineos team and you're trying to set up Carapaz, but Carapaz just the other day, the day before that, uh, lost, what, three, four minutes um, to uh, Pogacar. So you don't think you're going to necessarily go straight into this stage and we're going to throw that same tactic out there and this time it's going to work. It, it didn't work. And so uh, Ineos gets on the front. They do a bunch of work for um basically Pogacar, and he ends up ripping everyone to shreds. What you see there is Ben O'Connor takes the win. Uh, the most impressive, Sonny Cabrelli, climber, holding on. Uh, and Ben O'Connor didn't really lose any time on the climb except for um, to Pogacar. Now, we got Brian Zimini chiming in here. Is this a little early? Data-driven athletes should read the Data-Driven Athlete blog recently posted about how Masters athletes lose sprint performance as they age. I read it. I actually did. I forgot that that was actually a, a something that I could use to uh, use some credibility. John, John's different. Maybe he's not losing any of his sprint. Uh, so anyway, that that's my point, right? 36-year-old, 20-year-old, which one do you actually expect to uh, maybe be a little bit more viable in this situation? Uh, back to the race here, Carapaz, the rest. Once again, you're just destroying everybody with the, This was coming up on, um, I think it was Saturday, Sunday. Uh, great uh, ride into teen. And remember, that was the one where Bernal had gone over the top. Uh, 2019, he doesn't actually get the win because the road's closed, and that this time they actually got to go up there. <clears throat> uh, stage 10, Albertville to Valence, Cavendish pulls out a win. Wout Vanner gets a second place, and this is what's interesting to me is Wout gets second here um, to Cavendish once again. He's not the and 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 you see Sagan. I think he uh, gets eighth, yeah, eighth here on the day, and uh, soon pulls out the next day when they go up to uh, Mont Ventoux. But when you're seeing the, the lead-out guy here, Morkov, which is solid, he's very good, getting sixth place on the day, and then today getting second, maybe there's something to be said about the, the field here. Just just throwing that out. Wildbender, second place. GC, as we go into there. Tade, opening up. Ben O'Connor, holding on. Now, Rigoberto Duran, Jonas Vingigo, and Richard Carapaz, the top five there. Now, how's that going to play in the next day? The one that I think was uh, on everyone's mind uh, to uh, Malassane, it was 198 kilometers. They go over Mont Bontu two times in spectacular fashion. Um, the second time they go from Bedouin uh, up to the, the HC, they both do both times, but the, the first time they come in from a different direction if you're looking at the mountain there. So, and you can just see the, the route here. So the first time they come up from the um, more the Eastern side, second time they, they make the loop, they come up, typical fashion that you would have, which I believe they said was more difficult. This stage gets crazy right away where you have a uh, bunch of big hitters in the, a uh, bunch of big hitters in the, in the group, um, being Wild Venter, Kelly, we just look at the top here, Kelly Illison. Um, there was three, I think, Trek Sigafredo riders. You then had Wout in there. You had Julian Alaphilippe. 
Um, Wout ends up going up weight. There's a, a bit of a move on the first time up. He looks solid. They end up dropping a bunch of people. He takes off at the bottom of the climb the second time up and basically holds itself all, all the way over the top. You can see he gets a win. Most impressive thing maybe about the day with his post up, standing like his MotoGP guy, coming across there, his butts off the saddle, standing up, posting up. Very impressive. Um, but he only loses uh, 114 to Ellison there, and, or uh, gains over there. Uh, Pogacar comes in with kind of the lead group. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, 138 back. So he goes into the climb, I think, with four or five minutes. Uh, doesn't lose a ton of time to the big boys. Um, we got another um, thing here. This is our continuing thing about age. DDA's age-related power degradation is spot on. I just felt that a 36-year-old sticking it to Pogacar would be suspicious. Um, 36-year-old. Who's the 36-year-old sticking it to Pogacar? I don't know what you're saying there. Give me some clarification. Um, wow. Impressive win over the top. The question at one point when they're going up there uh, and the whole GC team starts evaporating out. Ben O'Connor, who had just made a big gap up a few days before, now is starting to lose time immediately on the climb at the, the lower slopes before they ever get to the chalet. But he only ends up losing about four or five minutes in the whole climb to the GC guys, which to me was actually quite impressive here. So he comes in 535 behind the winner, but they're 138 by. So four minutes. So he was only losing four minutes and about 20K up that so up the climb. Um, good for him, but he suffered badly. You can see all the other GC guys did. When they're getting near the top, Jonas Fingago takes off, and you're like, are you just trying to have everyone catch Wout? But then he ends up uh, dropping uh, Pogacar in a, in a sudden state of, of disarray. Uh, his legs were finally losing touch with him, I guess, but he still was able to, to hold near over the top. Iran, Kerpaz all come into to, to contact with him. And then those guys are actually able to catch Vinegar going down the hill. So should Wout... And I saw um, Chris Horner had talked about this, and I was thinking about it at the time. Should Wout have waited, possibly, and and helped Vinga go, go up the climb there a little bit? I don't think you do it at this point. He had a little bit of a gap. You're going to end up having to bring him back all the way to Vinga go, which is through um, Malama, Milama and uh, Elson, and then try to catch back through there. I mean, he was 15 seconds off of those guys, but only like 15 of the others. It just wasn't worth it. Uh, you get the win. Wout definitely deserves it in the break all day. Solid move. GC changes a little bit. Pogacar, Iran, Jonas Vingago, Carapaz, and Ben O'Connor drops down to third. So you're still seeing some of these same guys here, but look at these gaps here. 10th place is 10:28, 15 minutes to 11th, um, 24 minutes down to 12th. And I thought we'd actually take a look at American riders here. Not seeing much here. Sepkus, definitely not what he was last year when he only lost like 20 minutes or so. Um, an hour 39 behind Nelson Palace doing a little better at one hour 33 McNulty he's had to do some work uh, for Pogacar 156 220 for Sean Bennett who got in the break today then we had yesterday's stage break goes up to coin a quick step decide that they're gonna I guess let the break go um, and it's got a bunch of strong guys. There's a little bit of climbing stuff in it, but Niels Pollitt ends up making the break about uh, 15 or so out uh, from the break group. Ends up soloing his way in. Looked very solid. Uh, Emmanuel Averti and Harry Sweeney. Great name. Stefan Kuhn coming in. Uh, the GC just did not participate at all. Then we have today into Carcassonne. This was the sprint finish we saw with Cavendish. And um, you can see here, maybe from this picture uh, of the final here, Morkaw. Garcia, they, they had it was a lot of movement going back and forth between you know right and left turns before the finish. The whole group decides that they're going to protest right before uh, the start or during the start because they wanted to change the uh, time. 
the, the delay when the time is taken if there's at, for the finish. So they changed it from 3K to 4.5. Okay, got that. But did it really change the finish? No, because it only means if you crash in those in that area that you're going or get a flat or mechanical that it's going to do it. So the GC riders are still in the front from 4.5 up to three and inside until you know two one and a half k to go when the sprinters teams finally take over. So I don't know, uh, kind of a mealy mouth protest, perhaps it seemed like it's to some extent. And with that, you know, you saw Morkov doing a great job leading out there. His own teammate had kind of pushed off a little bit too much and about 400 to go. Morkov just waited, sl slid um, Cavendish into the right position coming around the last corner. Uh, Phillipson tries to go and go around him, just doesn't even have it. Morkov sits down and gets second place, <laughs> second place on the day over Phillipson. Uh, wonderful. Uh, we have another uh, comment here. Any chance they let the break go and let Cav recover for today's finish? Well, today's over. So they didn't let the, uh, any chance they let the break go and let Cav recover for today's finish. So they didn't let the break go. They didn't let him recover. Uh, not quite sure. Maybe Eric, you can explain a little bit what you're, you're, you're asking me. Maybe you're talking about tomorrow. Uh, we can actually look at the uh, next race tomorrow. Actually is Carcassonne to Kion, 184 kilometers. Profile though looks um, climby. So they are not going to, where did profile go? There it is. Um, a little bit climby. There's a chance though. He's got two, three, a two, a two, a three, and a two. Probably not going to get Cavendish over those. He was beat at the finish today. He was saying that, um, yesterday's stage. Um, okay, so so Eric, uh, Eric clarifies. He says yesterday's stage. So did they just let the? I think possibly that's what it was. I mean, it was a little bit more difficult stage. Uh, let him try to recover. Uh, as you actually talked, if you if you saw today's finish uh, interview with uh, Cavendish, he was talking about how he was so beat and it took a lot out of him. Today's stage, I think yesterday's was more difficult, especially with the little climb coming in uh, at the finish. It was an uncategorized climb, but it seemed to about 4K and it seemed to uh, kind of work those riders over. It spit out Stefan Kung as an example uh, from the break. So probably correct, probably the smart thing to do. I mean, you take the calculation of who else is here to sprint against him? Um, all we have to do is put him in line. As long as he doesn't fall, uh, we're good to go. So we have that one coming up tomorrow. It's going to be somewhat of a, a good day. And then um, Sunday, cat one, cat two, cat one, a cat one up to Col de Belles. Um, they have the highest point in the race, 2,408 meters before the penultimate climb there. Uh, and then they have, I believe, a rest day. And then we get into the steep stuff in the Pyrenees. Uh, one solid day. Is this another one that Cav can win here? Uh, nope. That's going to be a so three straight days of, of some decent climbing. That's probably going to be a breakaway day on a Tuesday. Um, then you get in on Wednesday. Nasty climbing up to over the, the Col de Valeron, is it? And... That's going to be you know, one and one and HC. And then for me, the one I'm looking forward to the most, Pau to Luzardiden. Uh, we talked about that in the previous show, which was a little bit uh, discussing uh, 1987, going from Pau to Luzardiden. Uh, Dagata Lawrenson, Norwegian, that uh, actually was in the, I think he was third, he was third in the Olympics um, for uh, 1984 uh, in LA for Norway. And then um, he ends up winning up there, uh, Andy Hampson finished third on that day's uh, John Novikov chiming in again today's lead out was ballerini going too hard or perfect disruption forcing others to make their moves uh, I would say too hard and here's the reason why what is what does the quick step need to do for a disruption 
They, they had three guys coming in there in the last K. There was no need for them to try to have any kind of disruption. Uh, not a problem at all. All they needed to do was get Cav to the right spot. As you saw, Morkov had enough room still. So Ballerini just went a little too hard. And um, he got all ex excited. And with that, yeah, with that, he just made, maybe made a little tactical mistake. But this is why Morkov is so good. And so there we go. Okay, uh, let's remove that off of there. What else do we have? I just thought we'd also take a look at um, kind of the, the UK. I mean, they, they go crazy with Cavendish watching GCN today. Um, here's here's the, the Cycling Weekly as an example. Five talking points, it's Cavendish. You can clearly say Mark is the best sprinter ever, says Michael Morka. Cavendish scorches the record. I don't think I can ever be compared to the great Eddie Merckx. Um, cycling world reacts to Mark Cavendish. Mark Cavendish equals Eddie Merckx. Why does Cavs chain keep coming, <laughs> coming up in sprints? Uh, they went crazy with all their commentary and uh, crying, literally crying in the booth. Um, I, I'm a little tired of that. Morkov sat up and looked around for others to chase. It worked. Yeah, I agree with that, uh, says Brian Zimney. Um, let's talk, let's let's move away from the tour. First of all, it, it, do you think Pogacar is going to falter? He had a little eh at the top not being able to hold on to Vingago uh, at the top of uh, Von Um Obviously, things change. I see um, maybe his big exploits out there a few stages ago going, uh, what, stage eight, going from way out is a little, might catch up to him a little bit. So far, it looks like he was able to, like you saw on that stage, he faltered from from Jonas, but he didn't falter enough to go all the way back to Carapaz and Rigoberto Uran. So... He still, he faltered, but he's just, all it meant was he didn't take out three minutes. So if that's the case, he just loses, you know, zero time. He actually beat them on the sprint on the downhill. Now, over the top, 15 seconds lost to Jonas. Okay, you, you correlate that into a time, a few times. Let me see, he's five minutes down. It's going to be a while. He's not going to probably have any trouble. We have two events coming up here in NorCal this weekend, and it's supposed to be like blazing hot. So we have Lampart Crit and Bariani Road Race. Uh, Lampart Crit. We'll go over the flyer real quick for that and then talk about some people that are in the race and then maybe get out of here because it's Friday and I typically just want to uh, leave, go home. Um, so, Bariani, we're going to start here. Um, sorry, getting a message from a kid here. Um, so, Bariani, Lampart uh, Crit. Remember, we usually have these somewhere around what, March or so? Uh, Starting off early, there's going to be problems because it's going to be so hot. It's going to be like 108 or 107 and then 108 uh, tomorrow uh, on Saturday, on Sunday, I mean, oh, for the Bariani Road Race. So that's going to be a little bit of trouble. Um, you have the elites going off at eight. You have the threes, the women's, novice, um, kids ride here around noon. And then we start off in the, the bigger guys, the 45s at 1250. I will be doing that. It looks like they're combining them with the 1250s. I mean, with the 55s, the juniors going in at 140. And are they cutting down the length? 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 30 minutes, 50 for the 35, one, two, threes. They do an elite three at 320. Uh, and then the boiler event, literally. Um, 420, pro one, two, pro one, two. They usually have pro one, two, three. So they're just, they're just doing a pro one, two. Um, and what's the field size? We'll take a look at Lampart Crit. See who's registered. So... Starting with the 45s, good solid bunch of people registered already. Um, doesn't do they list how many? I don't show it here, but uh, a big group. So Tyler Young, I've already registered for that one. I registered for that in the 35. So we'll see how the Brian Timney. Good to see you uh, going for there. 
for the uh, this is 45 brian are you 45 i guess you are um good solid group there the 55 so this will be 13 entries for that one sorry it does say 37 entries plus 13 so we're getting close to uh, the 50 mark and uh, see how many more register on day of for those two combined categories uh, we'll have to keep an eye out and, and note uh, who's on which uh, the 35s so far you have 26 entries um, thirsty bear touchstone coddle claudio bailey um, who else do you have here? Dan Bryant, Boynton, um, a lot of Thirsty Bear, a lot of Pete's, R4R's coming out with a few, Data Driven Athlete, we got a few there. And let's see if we can, um, so that should be uh, pretty good. Okay, uh, why the short lengths? You're talking about uh, the, the, I think it's because of the heat, John. Elite three. Um, got what 18 entries the pro one two 28 to see who's in the pro one two they may have uh, kind of stifled themselves by not doing the pro one two three but it looks like they're at least doing the pro one two um, who else we have here Mike's thirsty bear thirsty bear performance uh, Eric Cockrell okay um, team Swift Let's see if there's more mics I only see a few ride bikes bro we've got Greg White and Russell White so that will be and then Tarun there's a few riders there from Tarun as well Ah, should be good. Um, how about the women? We got nine entries on the cat fours. Okay. Uh, six on the women there. Women 35, two entries. Can I, you can probably pick that up a little bit. Elite four is 57. Solid to see there. 26 entries on the cat four, uh, 35 cat fours. Uh, the masters always do show up. Then we have the Bariani road race the next day. I think they're, um, we'll also look at their, their flyer because I think they're shortening their races as well. And that was going to be rough. They had the 35 set to go in the afternoon. And I just don't think that was smart. Well, they're cutting down the lengths as well. And as John said, why are they cutting down? I think it's because of the heat. So with this one, we have uh, pros. They're sending them off in the morning, 100 miles. That seems um, kind of unusual, cruel punishment. Threes are doing 80, 45s through 35s. They've got 60, 60, and then 40 for the 35 cap fours. And then you have the 35, one, two, threes doing 80 miles. I think they've changed that. Take a look at the, the bike reg and Greg Rowe has been posting things on Facebook. So I think they're actually cutting down. And I think the 35, one, two, threes are actually going in the morning because that's going to be blazing hot uh, doing all those miles. It might be a little bit uh, difficult. Um, as far as the registration goes, you got 30 for the one, two, threes. Uh, oh, sorry, Pro One Two, and I think um, Coddle, uh, not Coddle, um, one of those guys had, had one of the Masters guys, Olympic Club, uh, Coble, had uh, signed up for both the morning and the afternoon. You know, throw like 160 miles in or so. So good for him. Um, got some Davis guys out there, uh, Olympic Club, Sierra Nevada, Team California, um, Ride Bikes Pro, your typical um, threes, Masters Thirty Fives. Looks like a lot of the same people. So. Good luck to everyone out there for that. All right, people, that's 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 what I have. Any other questions? Any other people want to chime in? That's all we're going to do for today. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, once again, Pogacar, is he going to end up winning? Next time we do a podcast, I don't know when it'll be. Uh, next week, I do have much more open, so maybe we'll try to pick out some of these quickly open live ones right after the finish. And we can talk about uh, what uh, took place in the, the thing. I think you're going to see, am I going to see Cavendish win? I think you might see him getting it on the Champs-Élysées, which would be an amazing feat, right? The, the British announcers would cry, cry, cry. They'll, they'll just be all up in arms. Um, I'll still be saying, hey, is this is a believable performance. John Novikov says it is. 
I, I think it's fine. I think you're just uh, the degradation of the performance of all the other athletes is coming into play. So it's not uh, not as exciting as far as a, his competition isn't quite what it used to be. That's all we have. Good luck, everyone out there. You're racing this weekend. Uh, we'll try to be out there at the, the races, at least Saturday. We'll have a pop-up tent. Come find us. Maybe we'll do some interviews. Maybe you are worthy of an interview. Maybe you're not. Either way, take care. Best of luck.